We're here to meditate together. Do we all know what that means? It's very simple. We tend to make very complex ideas and make it difficult for ourselves. It's the simple clarification of what is meant by the word I. That's all. Nothing more difficult than that. And so a good meditation is when clarity is achieved. That's all. Don't think a good meditation means you're seeing lights and you're in some trance or you've achieved some exalted, sublime state. No. Clarity. When the nature of I and you're done. Because when that's clear, there's really no one left to meditate anymore. Everyone seems to use the word I a lot. But do we know what we mean when that word comes out of the mouth or is thought? Do we know what it means? Whether it's I or yo or je or yish, irrelevant. Every language has that equivalent term. What does it refer to? As Sri Ramana says, tiny little word, and because we get it wrong, we don't know accurately what it means, all the suffering in the world is created on one tiny mistake. So if you want to end all the suffering in the world, just get clarity on the word I. Because as Sri Ramana himself teaches from experience and as all the great sages, the I thought is the primal thought. And the whole mountain of thoughts that the mind tends to create is built on that one thought. I am this, I am that, I want this, I hate that, I, I, I. What is this I? And it's all these wants, desires, fears, repulsions, attitudes. And what if it turns out that there is no such thing as I? That it's just a word, it's empty. Investigate it. You may find there's nothing there behind the word, it's just a word. X in algebra. You assume X stands for something. Try to figure out. I is the same as an X in an algebraic formula, except we never try to solve the equation. Instead, we run off with all of what we think are the implications of the equation. I need this, I need that. And life is often running into one piece of suffering after another after another because it was the wrong I you were trying to satisfy. And if you're trying to satisfy a non-existent I, how are you ever going to find anything that could satisfy it? 
if it's unreal, then there's no way it will find fulfillment. And if all of our ideas about the world are built on this illusion of an I that may not even be real, then is the world real that this I lives in? Or is that just a huge fantasy built on top of this other fantasy that we've never quite investigated? What if the whole thing is a house of cards? And you take out the false eye, realizing it was just a mistake. The whole thing collapses. So people build a whole life on an uninvestigated premise, usually to discover somewhere in the middle of that life. Oops, maybe I was wrong. It's called the midlife crisis. People start to investigate this word I. And at least they come to the realization that what they took for their I wasn't the real I, maybe something else. So they try different definitions of the word that might fit it. But let's take the idea that the I cannot be the I thought, right? We're in agreement on that, right? Because the thought is an object in the mind, right? So the I must be that to which the I thought appears. Cannot be the same. There's no correspondence. So you have this I thought, and you always define it. It never remains undefined, even though you may not uh, make it conscious. But if you look at the fine print as to what you have intended by I, doesn't it always go with your own face in a mirror? Or your whole body in a full-length mirror? Isn't it implicit that the I stands for the body? And isn't it implicit that the I stands for all the chatter in the mind that goes with that body? It's a package. But by definition, the one observing that image in the mirror is not what is seen in the mirror. And isn't it a fact that the eye, not the eye thought, but the eye never appears in any mirror? It's imputed to be in there. And because you've identified the eye with chatter, and you can see your eyes are moving as you're looking in the mirror. There's chatter going on. You assume, okay, there's, there's chatter. The eye is all that chatter. But can it be? Isn't it the witness to the chatter? Isn't the eye, in fact, always silent? Having to put up with the chatter, perhaps. But it never really participates in it, does it? It's just listening, getting bored with itself. <coughs> eventually wondering, why is all this chatter going on in the first place? And then it one comes to some meditation center to try to get rid of it all. But if it turns out that the eye was never the chatter and was never the body in the first place, then it turns out that the eye is formless, right? It's not an object, not a thought, not an image. And yet, does anyone question their existence? Does anyone doubt that there is an eye? There is something that corresponds this word I. 
but can it be anything but non-objective, pure consciousness? But then once you say that, you have to say, yeah, but what do I mean by this word consciousness? It's a huge fancy word, you know, philosophers love to use it. What does it mean? Can't even define it. Shustness, con, it's with shustness. What's shustness, you know? It turns out it means to know. It means that the eye knows. The eye is an awareness, a presence to but a formless presence, therefore not localizable in space or in time. Isn't it true that you have the sense that the same eye was there when the body was very young and it's there when the body's very old? The eye doesn't really change, does it? The eye thoughts change, personality changes, the look of the body changes, all of that. But does the eye change? No, it's changeless, isn't it? This presence that's always there that makes you know that you are who you are. Not the chatter, not the words, not a name tag that you might be wearing, but the sense of existence that is directly known, right? Directly known, not through any intermediary. No one has to tell you you exist. Ah, okay. No, directly known. The only thing that's directly known, isn't it? Everything else is known through senses, known through ideas, known through some mediating process, but the eye is directly known. The only thing that is not a thing that we know is that I am, but we do not know what. Only the fact of presence. So there's nothing else to build your life on except the fact of presence. And that presence cannot be identified with the body or with mind. It's silent. And because it cannot be identified with body, you cannot say that this presence is the presence of an individual. Once you've said that, you've gone too far. The evidence doesn't support it. You can't even say it's a person. It's simply an immutable presence. And it's the only presence you will ever know in your life. You can imagine that a similar presence is functioning through other bodies, but you only imagine it. You never have any direct evidence. That's why philosophers now can question, what if everybody turns out to be a robot? What if they're not conscious? Because we have robots that can imitate human speech and everything else. Couldn't you all be robots? And you're the only I that really is present. Possible. And so Hollywood loves making movies about all of these scenarios. But it's a real question, because there's only one presence that you ever know is real. But if that presence is not, in fact, an individual presence and you cannot claim ownership of it, it's not your I. It's not something you have. You do not possess it. You are that. But you have no idea what you are. Okay, so meditation is simply the decision to investigate what is this presence that is the meaning of the representation that we call the word I. What am I? That's the basic question Ramana says. Until you've asked that question deeply and gotten to the root of it, you're clueless about reality, your existence, what your life is about, who you are, nothing. You don't know anything until you discover the answer to that question. At the very deepest level, 
and not settle for anything less. And then what you will discover when you have clarity about the meaning of I is that everything you have thought about reality was wrong all along. Everything. And everything that science tells you, it's all wrong. I won't ruin the surprise for you. <laughs> find out. It's the only thing that matters in life is that you find that out. And that's why people, finally in their lives, after they've tried everything else, they come to a very boring place like this and they sit in silence <laughs> to figure that out. Because it becomes life or death at a certain point. When you can't sleep at night, you can't live with yourself another day without knowing the answer to that question. Because it's all become meaningless. Because you know at least that you, the, the answer you've given so far is inadequate. won't do won't get you through the night anymore. It won't enable you to raise children if you can't pass on that piece of information to them. You won't be able to accomplish anything in life that is real and meaningful until you know the answer to that question and you can transmit it to those in your life. And not through words, obviously. But until you know what the I is, you do not know anyone else in life. You imagine you know them, but you're having a fantasy relationship. Whether it's with their fantasy of who they are, or your fantasy of who they are, or a mixture, it doesn't even matter. But it's not real. You're not in any real relationship with anybody. Because they're not in a real relationship with themselves. So how could you be? So we have to get real. And until we get real... Life hasn't even begun. The clock is ticking, but life hasn't begun. Because life is awareness, it's consciousness. It's truly knowing who you are. And from there, action can be accurate. And only then can you answer those very highfalutin questions like, is there a God? Is there a meaning? Is there a destiny? Is there supreme truth? Is there such a thing as liberation? All of those questions, whatever answers any philosopher or sage has given you, are meaningless. You won't be able to do anything with them until you have the answer to the first question. And you won't have any idea if what they tell you is true or not, because you have no way of judging. It is your judgment stone, you could say, the philosopher's stone, they call this in alchemy, to be able to judge the truth and the value of everything else, or else you don't know real gold from fool's gold. This is the real gold. And alchemy is about turning the lead of the false eye into the gold of the real eye. But the real alchemy has nothing to do with metals and it has nothing to do with experiments in a laboratory. It has to do with one experiment in a laboratory of consciousness that you can directly make. That's meditation. 